What's happening, guys? Guys, he's back! Guys, he's back! Thank God he's back. I missed you so much. Just so you know, I just... Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's Mike back. I'm going to be on this podcast because my mouth has fully recovered from dental surgery. <laughs> <laughs> dental surgery. <laughs> no, no dental dam was harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> But I'm back. Let's all congratulate Kat on a fantastic episode last week. She did it on her own, and she absolutely killed it. But it's time to bring the dynamic duo back together for something a little bit different this time. We're going to be diving a lot more into the science and how exercise can actually pretty well mess you up. But don't be as scared, because we're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down, and we're going to break down the difference between the differences between overtraining and under recovering so this is going to be a heavy episode so buckle in episode 10 you have coffee i have coffee i put baileys in my coffee <laughs> Little little liquid courage just to get you through this podcast. You know what? No, I've been craving a coffee and Bailey's literally for weeks, and we haven't had any. And you went and got Bailey's this morning, the biggest bottle. So I, it was tempting. I had to take care of you. Thanks, boo. <laughs> so as you guys heard in the intro, we are going to talk about something a little bit heavier and something that oftentimes doesn't get talked about. And Oh, I have a big gripe with this one because every time you see social media and coaches talking about this, they just kind of gloss over it, but they really don't dive into it. And I feel like it's a conversation that really needs to be had. And that is overtraining. People just say like, oh, like my lifts kind of suffered this week. And then the coach is like, you're overtraining. And then they just leave it at that without actually diving into what that actually means, because it's such a it's such a loaded topic and it's such a heavy topic. And if you're just telling people they're overtraining, you're not really breaking it down for them or what that means. And then you're, you're scaring people. You're, you're instilling this little bit of fear into them that, oh shit, like I did four workouts instead of three. Like I'm overtraining. I'm, I'm fucked up. Like, and that's, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it, chief. Like we need to break this down. And I'm so glad we're doing this episode because this is something I'm actually very passionate about. Not only because it's, very sciencey and I'm a giant fucking nerd but because there have been people who have actually been overtraining and people who have just been under recovering As I can a, I can't tell at all that you're excited for this like <laughs> literally cannot tell at all vibrating and that's not the two cups of coffee I had <laughs> <laughs> like your hands are not at all all over the place you don't have the biggest grin on your face you are you are not excited no not yeah. at all not no. at all can I ask um, a quick question before we dive into this? Because I want to set um, kind of like the tone for this. And also this episode is going to be a lot of like me learning as well. So I apologize if I put you on the spot, but not really. That's okay. So when it comes to overtraining, I think a lot of like my mind initially goes to athletes overtraining. How does this conversation pertain to people who like aren't in, in that athlete mode? So. That's actually a really good question. Thanks. I have those sometimes. You do. Um, 
here's the thing is when we talk about the athlete overtraining, that's actually quite, quite common in athletes. I mean, um, the International Olympic Committee had to write a whole statement on this. Um, strength and conditioning coaches uh, in professional leagues, they have to do a course on overtraining. Overtraining in the athlete differs from the general, the, the normie, right? That's just training Gen to pop. get a little bit healthy. Gen pop just trying to get healthy, right? The athlete in a professional setting, they're paid to train. They're paid to perform at their very best. They're paid to perform 100% every single game or every single competition, whatever that looks like. So they are training two, three times a day. They're probably training six times a week, much like you would go to your, you know, your 12 hour shift or your nine to five if, if, if you're working bankers hours like that is their job their purpose is to train and perform in the field so they are hammering their body they are stacking stress on top of stress on top of stress trying to get squeeze every last bit of energy they have and every last bit of performance they have so that when game time comes they're ready to fire on all cylinders this is different from the general the gen pop who trains maybe three times a week maybe an hour maybe an hour in those sessions like we're not paid to to perform we're not paid to you know perform at 100 percent for 60 minutes yeah we're just trying to get healthy so the conversation then becomes you know the general layperson is probably not overtraining they're probably just not focusing on the things that help them recover and adapt to that training stress versus the athlete who literally has to put their body through this gauntlet. Right. So if like for me, like when you're talking about this for the athlete who is training multiple times a day, multiple hours in a day, like where does, is, is the breakdown and the difference really in the recovery? The breakdown and the difference is really the recovery the training stimulus and overall conditioning. Okay. Um, those are the three big key factors here. Okay. Recovery, um, programming, and general conditioning. Right. Okay. So if you were to take me, for instance, and put me to do a hockey player's training regimen for three months, chances are I'd probably be overtraining. <laughs> Yeah, if you just like went in and did like Sid the Kids workout, like for sure. Yeah, like if 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 I was doing, you know, if I was with doing no other adaptation to zero, to your lifestyle, zero. Like or, you're still sleeping the same, eating the same. You're just yeah, crushing yeah. These workouts, like okay. like how many people? How many people do you see? Like oh, like I tried the the rocks workout regimen for a week, and now I can't even get out of bed, right? Like because his body has adapted. He's paid to do that, right? he is paid to recover properly he 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 his no he knows his body best he has adapted to this he might have a little help from some juicy vitamins you know but, <laughs> but <laughs> well i think too like at the, like when it comes to the rock he's also got all the resources with him right he's Absolutely. able to capitalize on all the all the recovery measures right like he has access to recovery measures he has access to dietitians he has access to um, sports therapist, athletic therapist, right. okay. sports doctors. He has all these things to make sure he's not going to fuck himself up at the end of the day. No rhabdo for him. We don't. <laughs> okay. So it is, at the end of the day, what you're saying is it's possible for everybody to recover. Or sorry, it's possible for everybody to overtrain. It all has to do with where you are, like adapting wise in your program. Like, have you adapted to your program? What your recovery looks like? 
Um, but at the end of the day, everybody can overtrain. Yes. So don't confuse this with the fact that you can't overtrain. You absolutely can. And we'll go into that a little okay. bit later. We'll, 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 we'll break it down a little bit later. But everybody has the possibility of overtraining. However, in most instances in gen pop, chances are you're not overtraining. You're probably just under recovering or overreaching, which is another big thing. Okay, let's break these down. So what is overtraining? So overtraining. Um, Should it, we set the tone for this? Like, are you going to set the difference between like, like, are you going to talk specifically to gen pop? I'm going to talk specifically to gen okay. pop here. So gen pop, ears open, pens and pencils out, listen up. <laughs> okay? okay. So what is overtraining? So overtraining is actually a syndrome. Overtraining syndrome is an actual medically diagnosed syndrome. So what does that look like? Overtraining is going to be a significant decrease day over day of performance in the gym. It's going to be lack of energy day to day. It's going to be um, mood swings. It could even go as far as actual cardiac symptoms, right? Cardiac dysrhythmias. Your heart is going all over the fucking place. Your heart rhythm, your heart rate is going to be fucking crazy. Now, years and years and years ago, this was called the female athlete triad because in females, overtraining syndrome looks like very bad mood swings. And gentlemen, it's not regular mood swings. <laughs> These are actually quite vicious. Um, it could be amenorrhea or, or, or dysmenorrhea, which is your loss or an irregularity of your period cycle or, or your menstrual cycle. Um, it could look like um, more frail bones. Now, when they actually looked at this and they studied it, they realized shit, it's not just female athletes. It's not just female athletes going through this. It's not just female athletes suffering from this because they noticed that in men, there was a significant drop in testosterone, like naturally producing testosterone. So they wouldn't get as much performance as they could, right? Their libido dropped. Their, their, sorry, guys, but your ball shrunk, right? So they realized that it wasn't just the female athlete triad. This was a whole thing. This affected both sides spectrum there's a Grey's Anatomy episode on this yes yeah there's that chick she's like super underweight she's training yeah. for like she's like running and running and running yeah. she came with like broken bones or something like yeah. that yeah okay so and is it the reason that this initially came in for women I wonder if it I mean obviously losing your cycle is a huge huge thing women are naturally um deficient in vitamin d so our bones are regularly yeah. frail like all of these things are already working against us so with these big things where our bones are breaking, we're losing our periods, our mood swings, those are things that we already are more susceptible to. So I wonder if that's why it was more apparent in women first. Yeah, it was very much more apparent in women because women, um, they they showed these symptoms a lot more readily. Mm -hmm. For a guy, it was just like, oh, he's just, maybe he's just a little bit tired. Right? And ain't nobody going to talk about their dick not working. Oh, fuck no. No one's going to talk about the size of their junk. Like <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. Not when it's shrinking. Not when it's shrinking. <laughs> of course not. Okay. But but it was a lot more prevalent in women. But also, I hate to get a little social justice here, but I will, and I have no qualms about that, is that women in sport are put way under, like, they're put, like, they're thrown under that bus, and they're put under a microscope way more readily. 
you want to perform like the guys, you want to be like the guys, you're going to, we're going to fucking run you ragged, right? And it's not, it's not fair. But then they get put under the microscope, like, they get studied and these syndromes get fucking named after them because, like, we, we, we want you to, 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 to fucking be the best. We're, we're going to push you as hard as we can. So we're going to study the shit out of you to make sure we're squeezing every last bit of you. And then guys kind of go by the wayside. Like, ah, fine. Fucking Jimbo just needs to fucking relax a little bit. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfair. It's unfair because um, you guys get put under the microscope and then they f- figure out how to push you a lot harder and they push you a lot harder. And then these symptoms get worse and these syndromes get significantly worse. And it's totally not fair. Right. It's 100% not fair. But on the flip side of that, this affects all spectrums equally. No one, no one gender um, is safe from this. It can affect everybody equally, whether you're female, male, non-binary, whatever. It's going to affect you equally. So we have to be very careful with this, right? So, um... Where was I? Anyway. <laughs> I said you on a tangent there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So overtraining and the symptoms we've yeah. established. So we've established that. So when they realized that this wasn't just a female specific problem, they renamed it, thank fuck, to REDS. Relative energy deficiency in sport. Simple term. Why is that? Because a lot of athletes were dealing with this. And what does it mean? It means they were burning a lot more energy than they were consuming or being able to recover from. And here we are, overtraining syndrome. I could get into the science behind it, but basically, it's fucking with your hormones. It affects your um, your sex hormones, right? Your your um, luteinizing hormone, your follicle stimulating hormone. For men, it affects like testosterone. It even affects your thyroid hormones, right? Um, it affects your hunger hormones. It, it affects bone mineral, mineral density, and by association too, it affects your cardiac, um, your, your, your heart muscle. It affects how energy is conducted in the heart. It affects the actual structure of the heart. It affects everything. So overtraining syndrome is an actual medically diagnosed syndrome, and it can affect way more than just your performance in the gym. It actually affects your whole genetics as a whole. Okay, so overtraining is expending more energy than you have available as well as expending more energy than you are, like, capable of recovering. Exactly. Okay. So, now, what is Gen Pop's version, right, according to these trainers on social media, what is Gen Pop's version of overtraining? Well, it's under-recovering, right? And under-recovering can be a lot less um, ominous and a lot less profound than overtraining syndrome. Under recovering, yeah, you might see some decreased performance in the gym. You might see your your totals kind of dropping a little bit. You might feel a little bit extra sore. It might be a little bit harder to get that 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 good quality sleep. But your hormone functions remain the same. You know, your your hunger remains the same. For women, you might not lose your period. You 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 actually could have a very regular cycle your bone mineral density will probably remain the same. You might just feel a little bit more sore, but you're not going to snap your shit up trying to get out of the bathtub, (laughs) right? Yeah, you keep saying maybe, but realistically, if, like, those things shouldn't be affected by this. Like, if you're doing it properly, like, if you are recovering properly, and even if you're slightly under-recovering, like, because I think, 
I think the scale between like overtraining and under recovering is actually like massive. It's huge. Like it's not just like there's like a small little gray area in between. Like if you're yeah. overtraining to the point where you're like being diagnosed with this syndrome, like like you've fu- like done fucked up. Yeah. Where if you're under recovering, like you're not going to see these extremes. Yeah. Like you're not like you don't have to, like if you're under recovering, you don't yeah. necessarily have to worry about snapping your bones or. And the reason I say maybe is because, again, every person is different. Everybody's genetics might be different. So there might be an underlying problem there that needs to be diagnosed by a doctor. And, you know, correlation does not equal causation. Okay. Right? Like, if you, <laughs> like in Brando's case, he got hit by a car. Was he overtraining? No, he got hit by a fucking car, right? Right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just because he was on his bike training doesn't yeah. mean yeah. He was so so I, I I I say maybe because I don't like to deal in absolutes because there could very well be something Fair. there could be something pathological going on and I don't want to say well this shouldn't be it but you're right you're That's right the paramedic in you right there. I know <laughs> I know like I don't want to say for sure you've snapped your shit but I'm seeing, gonna say maybe you snapped yeah. your shit but I can't say for sure because I'm not a doctor <laughs> exactly right yeah yeah oh. Ooh. Anyways, moving on, moving forward. <laughs> but yeah, so under reco- so yeah, you're right. Like these are two very different sides of the spectrum. Under recovering, you could probably bounce back from after, you know, a week of just laying off the gas for a little bit. Right. Maybe tailoring your your diet. Maybe increasing your calorie count a little bit. Maybe taking a break from the gym. Maybe just going on walks. Under recovering, you might you, you'll bounce back back. You'll bounce back from really quick. Okay. Overtraining syndrome could be weeks if not months right of like significant medical intervention and i'm not saying you're going to be admitted to a hospital although some people are some people do get admitted to the hospital but um overtraining is going to be a long it's going to be a long long road it's going to be weeks if not months of rehabilitating it could be being put on medication it could be absolutely giving up training for that time right until your body auto-regulates itself right is able to is able is able to auto-regulate again and that doesn't mean that because you take that you know six month break or whatever it doesn't mean that you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna be susceptible to that anymore no people who are diagnosed with overtraining syndrome or reds are very much susceptible to it in the long term as well Mm -hmm. Because their body is in a fragile, fragile state. And that's hard to bounce back from. Under recovering, you can bounce back from, take a week off, and then you're going to be firing back on all cylinders again. And I mean, I think technically under recovering, like when we work night shift, like I feel like I'm constantly under recovering post night shift. Absolutely. Like, and like, especially between night shifts. Like I'm not, I'm not even doing shit. I'm not like, I'm likely not even working out between night shifts, mm-hmm. but I'm under recovered just from daily life mm-hmm. because my circadian rhythm is now fucked i probably haven't slept enough i probably i'm not eating regularly like everything i'm probably not hydrated enough like so yeah. under training or sorry um under recovering is so much is is easier to to treat i guess like yeah. we're talking like short-term effects versus overtraining is a long-term thing yeah okay cool and, and overtraining syndrome could have very long-term effects I, I i i i haven't found a study yet but i'm almost positive there's going to be very much long-term effects from overtraining syndrome or REDS versus just being more susceptible to it. Like, depending on how profound it is and how affected your heart, your bone mineral density are, your 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 pituitary, your anterior pituitary gland, your hypothalamus, um, 
they're all brain stuff. (laughs) 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 But how affected those are, like, I haven't found anything and I have to do some digging, but it could very well have long-term effects. Under recovering, generally, not going to have long-term effects. Right. You're probably going to bounce back, be just fine. Okay. And I say probably because, again, I don't like to deal in absolutes. (laughs) 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 But there's going to be a third component to this that often doesn't get talked about. And I mean, I can I can say this with such confidence because in my when I was taking my um, certified fitness trainer and my strength and conditioning coach, um, there was exactly one paragraph on this, and that was it in either textbook. And that is overreaching. So what is overreaching? It means when you're trying to push yourself past what your body is actually capable of. So if my one rep max is, or put this more generally, put this more simply, if my five rep max is 225 for squats and i'm trying to push 235 245 for 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 a set of five and i'm struggling to get that that weight up that last few reps i'm going to be overreaching so because my body's not adapted to it and i'm trying to push it further i'm not going to be getting those gains that i'm looking for so i'm constantly redlining myself and pushing more weight and training or or training more than I'm actually adapted to. So that's going to lead to oftentimes stagnation in your results. It's going to lead to not really progressing. And you see these people all the time. Like I've had a, you know, I've had a 315 squat for two years. Well, are you always training at an RPE 10? Are you always giving like 100%? Are you always, you know, training to absolute failure, well, then you're probably not going to advance to where you want to be, right? You always have to leave some gas in the tank when you're doing any sort of um, resistance training. You always have to leave a couple reps in reserve. Because if you keep pushing that red line, you're not going to advance. Your body's not going to adapt to that. Where does the difference come in between overreaching and progressive overload? So, that's actually a really good question too. So, God, I'm killing it today. Yes, you're doing so good. <laughs> I'm, guys, I'm literally sitting here with like a pen and paper, and I'm like writing down notes and like. <laughs> so, progressive overload is. Most people say it's just adding weight to the bar, but progressive overload is a number of different things. Oh, oh I'm so excited! I had. I, I'm thinking of things and I'm knowing <laughs> answers, and I'm like, oh wait, I can see it. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So progressive overload is more than just adding weight to a bar, right? The typical linear progression is, oh, Jesus, I just spit on you. <laughs> That's how excited we are. <laughs> I'm sorry, this normally doesn't happen. <laughs> dental recovery. <laughs> Where's my dental dam at? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, the typical linear progression is every week you add five pounds to the bar, you add five pounds to the bar, you add five pounds to the bar until you pretty much can't anymore, right? But progressive overload can be decreased rest times in between sets. It could be more reps, more sets. It could be doing the same weight on the bar, but your body weight decreases, right? That's relative progressive overload. So yeah, you could just add weight to the bar, but there is an upper limit to that. When we talk about progressive overload, we have to look at it in its totality, right? What does it actually mean? It could mean pushing that, that, that metabolic threshold, right? Like when you're doing 10 reps and you're feeling that burn, well, maybe next week we do 12 reps, right? Or, you know, you do three sets. Well, next week I'm going to add four sets, 
right? Or I'm going to add, add add another set to do four sets, right? Without changing the weight. Without changing the weight, right? Okay. Progressive overload is much more than just putting weight on the bar because we reach that upper limit of how much we can lift, and then we start blurring that line in between progressive overload and just overreaching too much, right? Okay. Because your body does need to adapt. Your body does need to adapt to the bar that or to the weight that you're that you've currently lifted, right? And when we talk about progressive overload, the goal of progressive overload is not to reach absolute failure. We want to slowly, um, we want to slowly adapt the body to, to 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 pushing more weight. So we have to leave some some reps in reserve, right? So if I'm doing two twenty five squats one week, and the next week I add five pounds and do two thirty, and I have one to two reps left in the tank, perfect. I can probably add another five pounds the next week. But now if I'm doing two thirty squats and I'm struggling to get that, to squeeze out that last rep, or I can't complete it, well, now I'm overreaching, right? So I need to drop back down and get to a weight that's comfortable, maybe add more sets, maybe add more reps, maybe decrease my rest times to really adapt my body to that. Got it. Does that all make sense? Yeah. I mean, because, like, the way that I'm interpreting this is overreaching is when you are just constantly adding those five pounds to the bar. And then never actually like like because I can think of like for example like me with my bench like adding five pounds every week is like I would burn out so fast like I my upper limit that overreaching like I would hit that so quickly but by manipulating the reps that I'm doing like maybe if I there is a weight that I'm struggling with like I can do it but I'm like hitting that red line every time so then it's like manipulating how many reps and sets that I'm doing with it so that my body like, so my muscles can adapt to that weight in different ways. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, like, a, like, the adaptation that your muscles have to go through when it comes to how many sets you're doing with how many rep schemes, as well as the weight. Like, all of those things can be manipulated, and depending on how you manipulate them, there's working the body in different ways. Like Absolutely. Like, if I do squats at 135, like, realistically, that can be a warm-up for me some days. But if I'm doing... Like, if I did five sets of five on that versus if I did five sets of ten, like, it's going to feel completely different, mm-hmm. and it's going to fatigue my muscles in different ways. Yeah. And I mean, um, when we're talking about, like, progressive overload and stuff, all we want to, all, especially newbie lifters, we've all been there, I was there, we just want to see that weight go up. We just want to see that, that, that one rep max go up without taking into account. I'm still that newbie lifter. <laughs> But we're not taking into account our total tonnage, right? Our total, like how, we're not taking into account the capacity our muscles can adapt to, right? I can lift, you know, 225 on squats for one rep, or I can do, um, you know, 100 pounds for 10 reps, and in total that equals 1,000 pounds of capacity that my muscles are going to be able to tolerate. Sure, it's spread out over 10 reps, it's not that one rep max. But overall, I'm increasing that capacity. And I can I have more wiggle room to increase that capacity if I add 10 pounds from 100 pounds, right? You add 110 pounds, that's an extra 10 pounds of capacity that your muscles can adapt to, right? We need to stop looking at just our one rep max, and we need to look at increasing our overall work capacity that our muscles can tolerate because that'll translate then to muscle recruitment. It'll, to- it'll translate to... A bigger one rep max in the long run. Yeah, because even with volume, you're still damaging your muscles that 
require recovery that in turn is going to increase your muscle mass and strength. Yeah. And I mean, sure. Um, Muscle size does correlate to muscle strength, right? Bigger, stronger, better muscles. However, when it comes to strength, we also need to um, talk about like the central nervous system adaptations, like how the brain activates those muscles and how many muscle fibers it recruits. But in order to get there, in order to train that, we also need to train um, our overall work capacity. Yeah, our brain can say, I can lift this. And our brain will activate all those muscle fibers to lift that weight. But if we don't have the capacity, well, that's how injuries happen and all this and that. And that's that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> okay, so overreaching versus progressive overload are two very different things. There is a whole entire system when it comes to building your adaptation, when it comes to progressive overload, where overreaching is adding five pounds to the bar every single day until you can't do it anymore and then just like sitting there without any progress. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Awesome. Does that clear everything up? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the episode. Okay. No. <laughs> um, one thing that did come to mind is where is the... Where did DOMS come into play? Because for me, it's like, I feel like when I have like those two days of DOMS and I can't fucking sit down to shit and I'd rather piss my pants than sit down to try and <laughs> do those things. Like, does that come in? Is that, is that just life? Is that under recovering? Is that over training? Where do DOMS? Yeah. So it's funny because I remember reading a post, um, I can't even remember from who, and even if I did know who, I'm fucking not going to name drop, but I remember it's like, if you have DOMS, you're overtraining, and it's like... Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where it was, but I think it's a conversation that's starting to happen. It because is. Because people are trying to avoid DOMS, because nobody likes DOMS. Nobody likes DOMS. Everyone hates DOMS. I fucking hate DOMS, but... Like, the titty DOMS? Those are the worst. Oh, the butt DOMS. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you poke my butt post-leg day, I could kill you. <laughs> X-rated now. Come on. We're already talking about dental dams. Now we're talking about butt stuff. <laughs> this is the worst. I'm so glad you're back. This is what happens. <laughs> Things just get a little squirrely. <laughs> but, um... Doms. Back on Doms. Dom, dear penthouse, I never thought it would happen to me. <laughs> you think you're funny. I, I know I'm funny. <laughs> but, okay. So where do, where do Doms fall in training? So I hate to break it to you, but DOMs are inevitable. I don't want to. We're done. <laughs> it's not the answer I want. So DOMs is neither under-recovering nor overtraining nor overreaching. DOMs is its own little specific subset, and DOMs are inevitable. DOMs are just part of the training process. Now, especially for newbie lifters, DOMs are going to be DOMs are going to be quite prevalent. You're going to experience DOMs all the time. Here's the thing, is that they don't really understand DOMS. Science will does not understand DOMS. They don't understand why it happens. At first, it was like, it's lactic acid buildup. But then they're like, mm, no, it's not lactic acid buildup. Maybe it's just overtraining. Well, it's not really overtraining because, you know, people's hormones are in check. Their bone mineral density is good. Their hearts are good. Everything is looking good. So it's not overtraining. Maybe they're overreaching. And then they realize, like, no, this, per- this person can lift this for 10, 10 reps easily 
and, and they're still getting DOMS. So DOMS is part of just the training process, especially for the newbie lifters. You're going to experience DOMS. And I hate to break it to you, but there is nothing that is really going to cure DOMS other than time and adaptation. So as you train, as you grow in your training age and you, you, you continue on your program, DOMS are going to essentially self-limit themselves, right? Your, your muscles are going to adapt. Your body's going to adapt to that. Your body's going to recognize how to repair itself a lot quicker, you know, more efficiently, more efficiently, how do you, and in this too, um, your, your nutrition and recovery are going to be paramount to how well you, um, recover from DOMS, right? Recovery, nutrition, and of course, keeping on with your program, staying, staying the course is going to help with DOMS in the long run. But it's its own subset. It's not, not. It's neither overreaching nor overtraining nor under recovering. They just fucking suck. They just suck, right? Got it. But they won't last forever. Maybe <laughs> again, <laughs> again. I don't deal in absolutes. You might still experience it, especially if you, you know, cross into higher intensity training. Um, you're you might still experience DOMS, but the severity and the the frequency and um, the duration, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna decrease over time. Okay. Right? There's no magic cure. BCAAs, a protein shake, massage guns, even though I love that bitch. Massage guns, chiropractic care, sports massage, it's not gonna cure it. It might help with the symptoms. Absolutely. It might it might give you that mobility to to get up and walk or stretch or whatever. Let's go up the stairs. Go up the stairs. It might give you that little bit of recovery but doms is going to be it's going to be just it's going to take time it's going to take time okay um can we circle back to under recovering we we've dived into overtraining what that means what that looks like um overreaching too we we jumped into the specifications of like overreaching versus progressive overload so when we talk about under recovering i feel like this is where most people sit and i feel like this is where a lot of people have um, resistance. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about under recovering and what under recovering versus I, I don't think you can over recover, but like appropriate recovering versus under recovery. Yeah. So when we talk about under recovery, and I mean, um, I think we've touched upon this uh, in previous episodes, but recovery is not just taking a break from the gym or, or, or your rest days. It is nutrition. It is hydration. It is, um, it is active recovery, right? Getting your steps in. <laughs> Listen, I'm listening to what you're saying. Don't get distracted. I'm just looking for stuff. I'm, I'm trying to contra indicate. No, I'm trying to what? <laughs> focus, focus on your thing. Focusing. Okay, so recovery is is is, um. Duration of sleep, quality of sleep, right? If you're if you have a shit sleep, you're probably not going to recover well because your body doesn't reach that level of rest that it needs to repair muscle tissue, to regulate hormones again, to bring down cortisol levels, all that stuff. Um, Which is why recovering from night shift. 
sucks. It's hard. Because, yes. like, our quality of sleep, realistically, is not good. It's not good. Right? Um, like, any shift worker, even, I guess, even those who don't work shift work, like, if, because most of us aren't 18 anymore, you know, and, like, we can't stay out getting absolutely obliterated until 3 a.m., wake up the next morning and go to work at 8 a.m. Like, do you remember those days? I remember those days. We can't do that shit nope. anymore. Like, we last weekend, we were up until 3 a.m., getting a little, like, rowdy. The next day... I was struggling. We were all goddamn struggling. You weren't even hungover, and all of us are just fucking baked potatoes wrapped in goddamn blankets on the on the couch. Like, and it took me like forty eight hours to properly recover. Yeah, but that being said, like under recovery is much more than just like a shit quality sleep. Yeah, that's that that is that is that is the bulk of your recovery, right? Sleep is number one when it comes to recovery. But also, what does your nutrition look like? What does your hydration look like? Are you drinking 500 mils of water when you should be drinking three liters, right? Um, and not flushing out those systems, not flushing out your system, not being, not peeing out um, all those na- all that nasty shit that's in your body, right? Not allowing your your liver to filter, not allowing your kidneys to filter, right? Um, again, yeah, sleep is your is your sleep is your sleep shit. Are you are you more stressed out this week because you're starting a new job because you're going to school because it's midterms week because your kids are being assholes like are you more stressed what does your recovery look like right you need to look back at that you need to look you need to look at recovery as a whole right your stress levels your sleep your nutrition and how much you're exercising right and i would say i'd venture to say like exercise is kind of like that that kind of in between it's right in the middle like you should be looking at that with with some intent um because if you're if you're super stressed out, you're not getting good quality sleep, and you're trying to hammer out four workouts a week, well, <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. Or even like those, like six days a week, right? Like mm-hmm. if we're talking about like consistently training for that, like an hour a week with like intense training for the gen pop, like I the the conversation of training six days a week having Sundays off, like Sundays are your rest day, and then everything else is like you're in the gym for however long either you are lifting or you're running on the treadmill or you're doing your cardio or whatever else. Like if your sleep isn't on point, if you're not getting that eight hours of good quality sleep in between, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not eating properly, this is something we need to talk, like reiterate too. We've talked about it before, but like because your food is your fuel, like it's not only your fuel to lift, but it's also your fuel to recover. Um, if we're, I mean, protein is the prime example for this. If you're not eating enough protein to recover, I mean, realistically, protein has no other purpose. I mean, it's got lots of other purposes, but in this topic, like protein's purpose is to help you recover your damage, the damage to your muscles. Mm-hmm. Amino acids are recovery for your damaged yeah. muscles. So if you're and- not and you need carbohydrates too because you need those glycogen stores in your liver to help produce uh, glucose so that your cells can absorb and then help process these amino acids and use it as building blocks to repair muscle. What's up, ATP? That's all I thought about the whole time. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, so if, you, if, if we're not eating to fuel, we're not eating to recover. If we're not hydrated to begin with, if we don't have all that water flowing around to help us not only transport all of these necessities to help us get all of these nutrients that we need back to our muscles, it's also a waste. Okay, got it. 100%. So yeah, so when people are like stuck in this this 
state of stagnation, right? Ooh, alliteration for the win. <laughs> Very proud of yourself. I am a little bit. <laughs> for the ESL kid, yeah. I knew you were going to say that. I knew that was coming in. <laughs> um, but people that are stuck in this state of stagnation is oftentimes not because they're overtraining. It's because they're eating like garbage. They're getting shit quality sleep. They're stressed to the tits, right? <laughs> they're they're not drinking enough water um and maybe they're trying to push themselves past that that point where they're they're recovering right maybe they're doing a super high rep scheme for their for their lifting maybe they're they're pushing their bodies a little too much maybe the, instead of giving themselves that 48 to 72 hours rest in between strength training days they're only giving themselves 24 hours right so now your body is not recovering, your central nervous system is not recovering, and now it's just it's just kind of not hitting the off switch, but it's just kind of hitting cruise control and just coasting. It right? doesn't have the ability to adapt. Yeah, it's not you're not giving that your body that, that ability to adapt. So you're not overtraining, you're just under recovering. You need to focus on your recovery. You need to focus on taking laying your foot off the gas and just taking a couple days off from the gym, getting some good quality sleep, addressing your stressors in life. Um, re- relying on a friend, food, right? <laughs> Stop getting takeout. Start focusing on um, quality more, food, more nourishing meals, right? <laughs> um, single ingredient foods, higher quality, higher quality nutrients. Those are the things you need to focus on, right? Um, can we touch on? I I don't know if these go hand in hand, and these might be two different topics, but something that um came to my mind when you brought this topic to me saying this is what you want to talk about today can we address under training and or these where it comes in when you actually start to like lose your gains because this is something that people are so fearful of like I can't go to the gym this week for whatever reason like am I going to lose I let I love that it's becoming a question yes versus it's a statement like I'm I can't go to the gym this week so I'm going to lose all my gains I'm not going to be able to lift yeah. all the things. Like, yeah. so I don't know if those are, I, I mean, in my head, they're two separate things, but I think for a lot of people, they go together. So, so fun fact, uh, there was a study um, recently that actually said you, to keep conditioned, you actually, you, you could get away with doing one hard workout in a year to stay in relatively good conditioning to maintain your gains. Fun fact. But where this comes down... What? Yeah. <laughs> so if, You're if, telling me that I could, I could... I just have to live one time a year? To keep some gains. <laughs> it, like, I ain't mad. <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're going to be ripped and break a PR by doing one lift a year. It just means that you're not going to be a complete slug. <laughs> You know, sorry. Like <laughs> Miss Marissa from Herx. <laughs> you guys remember back? Like this woman owns a supplement store. Okay, she is the queen of supplements in Calgary, and that lady only works out like if she gets in more than one workout a month, she she's happy. So she's crushing it, though. <laughs> I know. I, she looks amazing. Like, yeah. she, I, and she, and she just had. A, I mean, baby is almost two. I think. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't just how to be. I know, I know, but I always still think of, like, 
little baby sink baby sink baby i always <laughs> just think of sink baby she will always be sink baby i see videos yeah. of her like walking and talking now and like drinking her greens i don't give a shit she will always be sink baby yeah. but okay all that aside though like one lift a year is not enough to progress or to um break PRs or look your best, right? It also doesn't mean that one lift a year is going to, or one one workout a year is going to increase those health markers, right? Your blood pressure, your, mm. it's just, it just means that. Theoretically. One, the, well, in actuality, in science, like one lift a year will just help you maintain, right? So you could do nothing for 364 days a year. Do a workout at 365, you'll be okay. You'll maintain, but you won't progress anywhere. Okay. Um, that is, of course, all things equal, and your nutrition stays on point, your recovery stays on point, your sleep stays on point, and you're able to manage your stress. Those are so. Those are some caveats. But when it comes to under training, so if you have a goal in mind, if you have a goal in mind, and you know, I want to for for ease of purpose, I want to do a two twenty five deadlift by the end of the year. And I'm only at 135 pounds. Um, if you are training once a week, well, probably not going to get there unless that is a super hard workout, right? Because um, it doesn't give you the ability to, like your progressive overload is going to. Your progressive overload is stretched out so far. Right. <laughs> yeah, you have enough time to recover in between workouts. Absolutely. Yeah. But you are not creating those positive adaptations. You are not creating that increased level of stress so that your body will adapt more readily. Okay. Um, so it's still plausible. It's plausible. But it's just a very long process. Yeah, it's okay. plausible, but it's kind of like riding your bike in a snowstorm. <laughs> You're going to get to where you want to get. It's just going to take a hell of a long time to fucking get there, right? Okay. Um, so that is very much under training. And which is why, as fitness trainers, we recommend that you get two to three good workouts a week to try and to to better yourself or to improve performance. Keyword here being improve performance, not maintain, not whatever. It's just to improve performance, to improve um, health markers. Right, two to three workouts a week, generally ideal. Right, that's 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 where we're going. And if you go up more than that. I think a lot of people sit at that like four workouts a week. Like that is like, so realistically all you're changing at this point is how fast you're getting through said snowstorm. Yep. But at the same time, you're also needing to put more emphasis on that recovery so that you can like to eliminate a lot more yeah. of that resistance. You yeah. go from just like riding in the snow to riding in a goddamn blizzard. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah, while that one workout a week you have six days to recover from, we're not, we're not pushing our body um, to, to, to switch, switch gears and hit that on mode, right? Like we're essentially just driving in two wheel drive in a, in a snowstorm, right? When by working out three times a week, we're hitting that four wheel drive, right? Got it. We're getting, we're, we're being more efficient. We're teaching our body to be more efficient, okay. right? Um, that being said too, giving your body that two to three workouts a week also helps with cortisol levels and helps with those adaptations, right? That stress hormone adaptation, right? So that when it comes down to, you know, hitting that PR, you know, your body is ready. <laughs> okay. Right? So, um, and when it comes to losing gains, yeah, if you do one workout a year, 
you might maintain. In, 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 in science, it says you could probably maintain. But if you are eating like a slug, <laughs> you know, if you're eating like a trash panda and you're not giving your body that those good quality ingredients, there will be some deconditioning. You will lose some gains at the end of the day. Your body composition might change a little bit. You might have a little bit more increased body fat, a little bit more decreased um, muscle tone and, and muscle muscle cross-sectionality size, right? So, yeah, you can lose gains. As long as your diet remains on point, your recovery remains on point, you won't lose that much. And on top of that, if you are a very seasoned um, athlete or tra trainee, right? If you if you've dedicated some time to the gym, those gains will come back just as quickly, right? Once you get back on track, and I, I mean, not just saying because you've adapted, because you've adapted, trained your body your, to your, adapt. Your body knows those adaptations. Your body is so adaptable. And again, this is going to be a conversation for another time. But when people talk about like low back pain and 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 snapping your shit up, like people don't realize that your body is such an adaptable organism, right? Like, just because you do a lift, uh, yeah, deadlift with a slightly rounded back, doesn't mean you're gonna snap your shit up. Your body will adapt, right? I need to stop you because I can see it in your eyes. You're getting, <clears throat> you're getting all fiery, and I, yeah, this is a whole topic for another. That's time. a whole topic for another time, and I could go on and on about that one too. But your body will adapt, right? So if you take a break from training, yeah, you might lose some gains, right? And I think it's like after, I think it's like after like six months of like absolutely zero training you will regress a little bit but if you take two weeks three weeks a month two months of solid training of getting back on track and this is this goes for the people who maybe are recovering recovering from a long-term injury or like a surgery or just had a kid um or a new like started a new life somewhere right like yeah you took those that those six months maybe a year but of zero training but once you get back into it, those gains will come right back. So you are not concerned. I mean, you haven't lifted in like two weeks at this point. Yeah. You haven't even been in the gym. No. Like, are you avoiding the basement? I don't think I've seen you in the basement the it last gives, two weeks. It, it gives, <laughs> gives me withdrawals. <laughs> you get a little sad cry on the floor. A little bit. Did you do that when I left one day? Just May like went downstairs and cried. Maybe. <laughs> Snuggled my 45-pounder. <laughs> <laughs> Holding a kettlebell in your lap. Sat in a fetal position and just cried. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. I, and I, it's such a fear. Like, And it's funny because I'm in a week right now where I knew this week me getting training in was just, if it fit, great. But, like, I wasn't going to push it just because I, I mean, work-wise, I was working peak hours. So I was working, like, later into the night on our day shifts by the time I actually got home and got shit ready like it was like I would have been training at like 8 39 o'clock at night and I don't love that for me that's not my favorite time to train like nine o'clock is actually a little bit late for me and then my night shifts I started like early afternoon so I knew that my training couldn't be the primary focus for me yeah. um and that was a choice that I made like I I mean I could have fit it in don't get me wrong I could have absolutely forced myself to get it in but I didn't want to push that I wanted to make sure that like I was staying up on my sleep keeping my sleep up hydration food getting my general movement in. I was making yeah. sure I was hitting my steps like if I, I got on the assault bike like yeah. 20 minutes here there so now like and now we're going out of town like 
that. So eight days of not training. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's like, fuck panic. Like, well, how many people get programmed a deload week or say you need to take a break from the gym? And they're like, fuck what? It, like they go into full on panic mode and withdrawals. Like, <laughs> yeah, that and that is that that is an unhealthy relationship, first of all, with the gym. Like if, if you if you need that training, like if you if you get like physical withdrawals from not training, well, we need to we need to establish some boundaries, right? We need to establish some boundaries with training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an unhealthy relationship, and psychologically, you're affecting yourself more psychologically than you are physically. Your body will adapt. Your body probably is thanking you for taking a week off lifting heavy, and chances are when you come back, you'll probably come back a lot stronger, a lot more mentally prepared. Exactly why DE load weeks are programmed. Yeah. Exactly, and you could look at it two ways. My deload week is going to be lifting, still lifting, but maybe lifting lighter for heavier, like for a lot more volume. Or you could take the Mike Barraza approach and get a hole cut in your face and take two weeks off the gym of zero training. And and not zero movement, because I still went for a walk. I still got my steps in. Still, and, and, and fun fact, I even lost weight on that. Like Did if, you lose muscle mass in those two weeks? Though I don't feel like I I don't feel like I lost a whole lot. I feel like I look a lot flatter, like yeah. especially in my shoulders and my back. I probably look a little bit flatter, but also my diet's changed and my primary movement has been just walking. Okay, but serious question though: in those two weeks, do you actually think you would have lost any muscle mass? It's very unlikely, and if I did lose muscle mass, it was probably very minimal, right? Losing muscle mass, like actual like atrophy or you know um actual like catabol- uh, catabolism um which is a fancy word for decreased muscle loss or muscle loss or like sarcopenia like very unlikely that it would have happened you probably just look flatter because you don't you don't you're not stimulating them you're not giving them them the workout they need you're probably your diet's probably decreased your um Food intake is, is decreased. Your water intake is decreased. So those muscle bellies aren't full. Mm. But as long as you ate enough protein, which I know you did because you are tracking, realistically, you shouldn't have lost, like, a significant amount of muscle mass whatsoever. Unlikely. Like, <laughs> yeah. as long as your protein intake is enough to keep those muscles satisfied, you really shouldn't lose much of anything. You just, yeah. like you said, look a little bit flatter. You might not look the same because the muscles aren't stimulated. Yeah. But... You're not going to lose anything in two weeks. And looks aren't everything. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I guarantee what's going to happen is you're, we're going to come home from our trip. You're going to hit the gym. You're going to look like a goddamn fucking, like, monster walking out because our muscles are going to be all excited and stimulated and full because it's the first workout you've done. Like, you're going to come out of this with the biggest pump. I'm so jealous. Oh, yeah, probably. But anyways, that being said, taking a week, two weeks off of, off of the gym is not going to create um, any sort of significant decrease in gains. Yeah. Um, and, you know, taking an extended break and maybe getting that one workout in a month. Shout out to Marissa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, taking that extended break, doing that one workout a month is probably enough just to maintain, Mm -hmm. um, doing one workout a week. Again, not a performance booster, but it'll help. Yeah. Right. But it is, I would, I personally, uh, in my opinion, doing one workout a week, one workout a month, I would consider 
under training if you are training for a goal. Mm. Like if you're training for a purpose, I would consider that very much under training. Gotcha. Right? You, we want we want to get that two to four workouts a week. This doesn't mean that doing five six workouts is gonna your means you're gonna overtrain. It just means you you might not you might reach that stagnation a little bit quicker. If you're not focusing on your recovery. If you're not focusing on your recovery, your nutrition, all that shit that we talked about. Got it. All right, guys. Episode 10, that was it. Um, We just want to remind you guys real quick, please share this on your Instagram or your social media. Tag us in it um, as much as it is warms, as much as it warms our hearts to see when you guys are listening. Um, It also helps us gain a little bit more reach. So we would really appreciate, do it for us because you love us. Tag us in your stories. Take a screenshot that you listened to this episode and give us your feedback. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where's your recovery at? Are you overtraining? Are you undertraining? Are you overreaching? Or are you just under-recovered? Let us know. I'm so stoked to be back, guys. And I look forward to the very next episode. I was so happy recording this episode. And we will catch you guys next time on RL Talks. Have a fantastic day.